0: Hello and welcome to our Holy Week edition of Talking About Our Beautiful Savior podcast, which happens to be episode number 28. I'm Pastor Alex Groth.
1: I'm Carrie Groth.
0: And we are excited to talk about three different readings from Holy Week, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. Uh, in addition to all the good things a Christian thinks about during Holy Week, it all, also makes me think about Cadbury cream eggs.
1: Yeah, you are a big fan.
0: I used to be. I don't know that I am anymore. Uh, when I was little... That was a big draw for me during Lent, (laughs) just thinking about the Cadbury cream eggs that would soon be available at Shopko. And I had spent a lot of my, whatever money I'd make from my paper route, I had spent a good amount of that on Cadbury cream eggs. (laughs) And I do have a memory yet. One one year they started selling for the Cadbury cream eggs, they started selling them in like cartons, like 12 of
1: them. Oh boy, like an egg carton? Yeah,
0: like an egg carton. And I got one of those for Easter. And I don't think my parents knew how many i was eating but i just remember like lying on my bed on easter sunday afternoon is being like i don't i don't feel good (laughs) i ate many of these then i remember trying to introduce those to the boys last year the easter and just thinking like we're gonna have this really powerful memory the there's gonna be like the sound of strings you know music strings swelling and this connection like yeah i love cadbury cream eggs You love Cadbury cream eggs. What a beautiful moment this is. And they try it and they're like, this is gross. This is yucky. Like, you are, you're wrong.
1: Yeah. Well, it's because they didn't have them in the freezer. That's the key.
0: That that was offensive to suggest putting (laughs) them in the freezer. Uh, No, the best Cadbury cream egg, um, I would say, is sitting in Shopco for a good two weeks. And then you buy it and eat it Easter morning. What's your favorite candy for cool. Easter? You comment on um, <laughs> wherever you're listening to, or just yell it out as you're listening to this in yeah, your car or your home. It. Just as loud as you can, yell what your favorite Easter candy is, and maybe we'll hear.
1: Stale, stale peeps. That's mine.
0: Gross. So, we don't have a, a Sunday school lesson this Sunday. It's Easter. Uh, so, we're just going to go through one reading a piece from Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And this is maybe just to start with this the three days worship, the Triduum um concept that all these are three different days monday thursday good friday and easter sunday but we do consider them all to be in a way part of the same service I yeah. mean, the way we end monday thursday service we don't really officially close it we mm-hmm. just usually say that the service continues tomorrow night Super good friday service we don't have any sort of ending official ending to the service mm-hmm. i mean it's the last hymn people leave in silence in the dark mm-hmm. and then yeah easter sunday finally we we gather and we say our, our blessing and we shout our hallelujahs and it's great yeah. Monday Thursday. Our reading we'll look at there is First Corinthians eleven. I think Vickers preaching on that tonight. Uh, this is includes the words of institution. So when we think about the words of institution for communion, we think Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the Apostle Paul's uh, use of these these words. Um, how many years later? Maybe 15, 20 years later after Jesus has died, risen from the dead, and ascended. So we have. I think this is a helpful section for thinking. There's, there's so many differences in the Christian communities over how you view communion. Yeah. And I think it's interesting and helpful to see how did the early Christian church view communion in those first couple decades yeah. after Jesus had it ascended. And if you take Paul's words here and the way they seem to be written, he seems to be saying this is truly Jesus' body and blood. Mm-hmm. Present there in, with, and under is the Lutheran understanding. In, with, and under the bread and wine. So we'll just read, we'll read these, actually we'll read the verses verbatim and just comment on each of them. So it starts with, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. So we'll just stop there. So that's, that's the setting for the Lord's Supper is that upper room Mm -hmm. in Jerusalem is there, they're celebrating. Uh, Last night was teen group and one of the questions I asked in the Bible study, which is the same question we'll end with uh, this podcast, with today is just what's no, this was a different question. I'm sorry. The question was, if you could go back in time and see one event from Holy Week, what would it be? Mm. And one of the young ladies said, uh, the institution of the Lord's Supper. Wow! And I thought that's pretty cool. And I asked her why, and she just said that seeing that that transition from the Passover to this brand new yeah. sacrament was would be really interesting for her. That's cool. So, yeah. So they're they're celebrating the Passover in the upper room. Um, so it's Jesus and, and just a few of his disciples. And then Paul goes on, he took bread. When he would given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So such a simple, simple mm-hmm. concept. Yeah. What's, what's your reaction to the the words of institution there as Paul records them?
1: I mean, it's just, uh, well, I mean, I it takes me right there to the upper room, like with, that quiet, you know, group of Jesus and his disciples eating dinner. And like, no, he knows that Judas is going to hand him over. Um, he's going to be arrested that night and just like how meaningful that was. Like breaking bread with someone was a really like, you know, culturally, like that was how you shared. And I think it still is like you share a meal, you know, Mm -hmm. that's intimate, um, friendship Mm -hmm. and just how he gave them this like very earthly way to like have you know that remembrance of jesus
0: so i I like what you said about the intimacy of the meal i mean they're they're celebrating the passover meal which was a really really important yeah celebration for the israelite people remembering how god had brought them out of Egypt. We talked about Mm -hmm. that in our Sunday school lesson just a few weeks ago. And then also pointing forward to Jesus as the perfect Passover lamb. And now Jesus is saying, this is it. Um, This is the last Passover meal you'll ever need to eat, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty heady thing. I mean, they've been celebrating Passover for just about 1500 years. Uh So I'm the lamb. I'm the lamb. And this is my body and blood given and shed for you. Uh, Just simple words, you know, simple... Simple bread, the wafer that really, I don't know, what was your reaction the first time you ate a communion wafer?
1: Well, um, <laughs> I mean, it was on the day of my confirmation in okay. grade, so I was it was like super powerful. Mm-hmm. I think I actually, I think Pastor be Bear let me have one beforehand yeah. to try it out. So it just, like, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's... just a wafer, but it was so awesome. Yeah,
0: I mean, in connection with the, the sacrament, it is yeah. amazing. But just yeah. the the wafer itself tastes... It's a little off-putting, just the first time you have it, because it tastes like nothing. You expect it to taste like something, That's and then true. it tastes like nothing. Yeah. And then that little cup of wine, I think when you're... When you first take a communion in our circles, it's typically you're in eighth grade. You're, you know, you drink that cup of wine, and it just, it's sort of overwhelming mm-hmm. uh just to your to your senses in general right but now you, you know we're older now and the wine it's having again. a small glass of wine isn't that significant Literally
1: like one apart sip.
0: from the sacrament mm-hmm. and it's not expensive wine it's not mm-hmm. like super cheap wine but it's just nothing nothing fancy so you just have this very simple two elements connected with just words and mm-hmm. you know, one of us in the pastoral staff at the beginning of you know each celebration of or the distribution of the lord's Supper. Just says these words, and you think God's how words. how can this be something mm-hmm. so powerful? Just these these words and a little wafer that tastes like nothing and a cup of wine. That I know, is, I know, I know. How does it how does it become <laughs> that miraculous thing?
1: Well, you just gave it away. It's a miracle. It I is mean, a miracle. God, God, ins- Jesus instituted it. He's God. He he's he's does a miracle. Yeah, with his words connected to these earthly elements.
0: And I think we we often want God to be more I'm gonna invent a word fireworky yes like we just want we want things to be bigger and bolder and pow, visible pow, pow. yeah I just this is I a miracle, wanna, everybody I want to be changed forever by this experience I want it to be emotional but God so often chooses to work through very simple things mm-hmm. he works through a man dying mm-hmm. just so God chooses to do these powerful things through words and simple elements and that's that's his style and I you know we I said we want things to be emotional for me communion is a very emotional experience mm-hmm. I think so um, emotional because you have this reminder of God's love um, I'm just gonna take the next verse here as part of this discussion Paul says whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until <laughs> he comes yeah. so the the visible gospel we sometimes call communion because it's a it's you can see salvation mm-hmm. you can see Jesus you know wine wafer Jesus' body and blood, the visible gospel is so powerful. I've stolen this from Pastor Westram many times over the years, the value of communion. Uh, We have, in pretty much every worship service that we do at Beautiful Savior, we have confession and absolution, where corporately, as a group, you confess your sins, and the pastor turns around, the vicar turns around, and, and announces you are forgiven. And I remember Pastor Wester saying, you know, if you're standing out there in the group, it can be easy to feel like, well, I'm not forgiven. Right. Because that's for all, the other that's ones. for all the other people who haven't sinned as bad as I have. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been too bad to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. But you go up to the communion rail and you kneel and this is given and shed for you. Nobody else gets that wafer. Nobody else gets that cup of wine. Mm-hmm. But you personally are sure that you are forgiven. That is overwhelming. A, is. a connection between you, the individual, and... And a loving God who chooses to do this miracle to assure you of your forgiveness—that's mm-hmm. that's very special.
1: And I just love that what you guys say at the end there. Proclaim his—it proclaims his death until he comes, or I, I don't know the wording, but I really like that. Like, just like another like, Christ died, and then he's risen, and he's coming again.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, because this is so powerful, the last two verses are an appropriate warning. It's strange to think of a warning when it comes to communion, but verse twenty-seven says, "Whenever whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord." Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So, in this wonderful section, promising, you know, this great blessing, Paul says, "But be careful." Like, this is powerful medicine. You can and yeah, you, to, you can come to the Lord's table for, and re, instead of receiving this beautiful reminder and assurance of your forgiveness, you can actually sin by not recognizing Jesus' body and blood or coming with an impenitent heart or just you know, harming your own confession of faith if you're a member of another church body and saying, yes, I believe what this church teaches, which that also kind of sets us apart as, as right. a Lutheran church that we believe when you come to the Lord's table, you're confessing your faith in, in and you know, mm-hmm. everything that's being taught there. So there's a unity there. Right. Um, so just being being very careful about how we use communion as a church. You know, we, we practice what's called close communion that we ask that somebody... You know, be well versed in what our church teaches and be united understand, in that before yeah. they they take communion, which can be a really hard thing to understand yep. if you're if you're outside of that right. that fellowship, which I, I totally get. So we have to do a really good job teaching and just hope people are are patient and stick right. around to say, yeah I, yeah, I understand why you're you're doing that, even if it doesn't always feel good.
1: Yeah, if I like, whenever I would invite a friend to church or something, and if if it turned out to be communion Sunday, I would explain just what you were explaining there um you know that like we're we're all confessing something when we go up there like the same like that Mm -hmm. we are all united in this yeah belief very very specific like what the bible says um and so i just say and i like that we pronounce it close communion um because then it like allows me to tell my friend or whomever i'm talking to like um yeah like if you're interested you know in learning what we yeah believe exactly like mm-hmm. you know what then um that'd be so cool like you could go to bible information classes right
0: yeah so. to portray it as a positive because it is i mean it's yeah. it's a drawing closer of mm-hmm. of the, the group together and i think just uh, as a pastor you don't ever want to be in the business of helping someone sin right so if someone's going to unintentionally sin by coming to communion without being prepared you, you don't want You don't want to encourage that.
1: I think it's also just for all of us who, you know, are confirmed or have taken, you know, the Bible information class and become a member. I think it's really important to remember, like, we should every Sunday examine ourselves. Yeah. Like, take that time for a church.
0: And I can already see we're going to go over half an hour in this podcast. Well,
1: when you said the seven words, I was like, oh, no.
0: I'm just going to, we're just going to say them real fast. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think so. When when we'll just finish with this before we move on to good friday when you we say examine ourselves what do you how do you examine yourself before you take well communion?
1: when you think of like an exam uh you you go through like each component like how how am i doing on this what what's my answer to this what's my answer to that so like okay how have i treated my spouse this week how have i um treated my children how have i uh what kinds of thoughts have i had mm. what what has been like if have i been worrying about something um you know have i been allowing myself this one sin um and kind of like pushing it off to the side
0: yeah so i think when you examine yourself and your behavior and your thoughts you realize yes i i'm a sinner and i need forgiveness and when you realize the the depths of your sin yeah then communion sounds wonderful yeah, yeah i need to be forgiven uh, God, help me recognize what's going on here. This is truly Jesus' body and blood. And strengthen me through this sacrament so that I I am the person that you want to be. Let me live in your forgiveness. Yeah,
1: it, re- it really renews your, like, zeal for the gospel, you know?
0: All right, moving on to Good Friday. Uh, tomorrow, we're recording this Monday, Thursday. I get to preach seven devotions and seven words. So we're going to try to cover these just briefly, which is not doing them justice. But here we go. So the first thing... Jesus is being nailed to the cross by the Roman soldiers, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. What's your reaction to that?
1: Just how amazing it is that the first thing Christ does when he's, when he's being crucified is beg his heavenly father to forgive the people doing it
0: right i think in my devotion i'm going to touch on fairness and unfairness you know it says twice that jesus is with the criminals which is incredibly unfair yeah and he's being nailed to the cross which is incredibly unfair and he asked for their forgiveness which is incredibly unfair so grace, grace is at the heart of Good Friday, and it, you know, we yeah. see it with Jesus being executed and asking forgiveness for the people nailing to the cross, it says they, they don't know what they're doing and they didn't understand that they were crucifying the Savior. Right. Uh, we don't always understand what we're doing either when it's sinned. when we sin. Sometimes we do know what we're doing. We know exactly what we're doing, and God forgives us anyway, which yeah. is amazing. Uh, Next, there's a thief on the cross who goes through an amazing transformation, spends the morning making fun of Jesus while they're both dying, and then defends Jesus, which we see as a fruit of faith, Mm -hmm. that at some point he starts to believe in Jesus as Savior.
1: He hears those words that he's...
0: And he starts defending Jesus against the, the mocker, the other thief, and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus says... I tell you the truth today, today you, will, you
1: will be with me in paradise
0: yeah so what a stunning stunning transformation you know I think what it, just think of how we view our relationship with God and what it takes to please God what would Jesus have said if we needed to earn our way into God's graces what What if the guy said Jesus remember me when you're coming to your kingdom oh, what buddy, would Jesus there's have said not time Jesus Sorry. yeah might have said like it's too late man yeah or you know if you can find your way off this cross and do, go do some good works help someone across the street or whatever <laughs> do some charity stuff <laughs> yeah. no jesus says today you'll yep. be with me in paradise so the the, the grace We die. uh next the third word jesus sees uh mary his mother and john watching his crucifixion and he says dear woman here is your son here is your mother what do you think
1: um just like really you know first of all culturally she would have now been without her son and joseph had
0: joseph we don't hear about so we assume joseph is gone yeah Yeah.
1: so um you know no income no way to make money so it would have been really hard um and now she had john to take care of her john was jesus's um closest dearest friend Mm -hmm. uh and jesus knew john would do it
0: yeah i think too so i think two years ago when i preached on this maybe it was four years ago I just mentioned I don't call my parents often enough you know just such a simple thing to call call the people that raised you and mm-hmm. communicate with them tell them you love them you know here's Jesus literally being crucified and he's taking care of his mom so fourth commandment obedience from the cross is just we have a tendency to look at everything through how does this affect me that very s- selfish lens yep. and here's jesus at a time when you could really understand him being i just need to focus on me yep. Is still focusing on his his mother yep fourth uh, my god my god why have you forsaken me my my pastor growing up used to kind of shout that in kind of a wailing voice eloi eloi lama sabachthani and that uh, used to really uh Rock. chill me to the bone yeah. yeah what's your reaction to that one
1: um I mean that's just like the cry of suffering hell mm-hmm. this, I mean is the definition of hell is separation from God right complete separation, so Jesus was experiencing hell on the cross, God turned his back mm-hmm. on Jesus, and like to see that or, like to hear that is just so powerful like it it really did happen, and it happened for me,
0: yeah. He doesn't call him my father. I mean, how many times in the Gospels do we hear him talking about his relationship with time. his father? Now it's my God. Yeah, uh, and just that—that that cry. You know, we are separate, which is the worst <sighs> part of sin. Yeah, we don't often consider that that sin separates us from God. We usually think about the earthly consequences of sin or shame, but the worst part of sin is separation from God. And Jesus goes through that. So I never have to know what that's like. Right. I will never have to experience the awfulness and the desolation of hell because Jesus went through it for me. Yeah. So often in, in his parables, Jesus uses the picture of someone being thrown out into the darkness where there's a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's always been such a, Ugh, I don't like right. that. Right, sounds terrible. This is it. You know, he's yeah. he's in the dark. Yep. And there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because he's apart from God, and he does that for me and you. And
1: like, if we, if you think about it, like we have never experienced life apart from God. Like nobody has. Right. Unbelievers or believers. Yeah. Because we get to have all his blessings all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna bring that out in my devotion too. I think we we sometimes feel like we're so alone, and if our eyes were actually opened, we would see God and with us every step of the way. His hand on our shoulder, angels around us. So we've never known what this is like. Right.
1: Well, and and when I talk to my kids about like what it means, you know, to suffer hell. Um, that separation from god is separation from anything good so like hey do you enjoy breathing like mm-hmm. really easily do you do you enjoy not being freezing or yeah or sweating buckets gifts. like all like do you enjoy the sunshine do yeah you do all those little things
0: mm-hmm. uh fifth word is i thirst he asked for a drink of of wine vinegar uh it says after knowing all this had been fulfilled so yeah. <gasps> why such reaction well
1: he had one more thing to say and he wanted to be able to say it loud yeah
0: so there's Please. two things here that i'll try to bring out in the devotion one that this is part of the prophecy too um knowing all had been fulfilled he's, he's going to ask for a drink because this is this is part of it mm-hmm. i'm going to use the picture of a treasure map in this part just that jesus is making a map for us to follow in every little bit of direction is these fulfilled prophecies and then, yeah, the last, he, he's got to shout one more thing, our six word. So he wants to make sure his he can yell it out, uh, which six word then is, it is finished. What do you think?
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, just like all the rest of them, that's incredible. Like everything, the whole plan of salvation, all of it, it's done. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry. There's no loose ends to tie up. Yep. Like it's just, it's finished and I don't have to do anything.
0: Right. And that's so much of our Christian life is about... Letting God assure us of that Uh versus telling myself, no, there's something left to be done. Or the devil telling me, you're finished. Your relationship with God is finished because you are Mm -hmm. so bad. He must be done with you. And to flip that on its head and say, no, my my payment for my forgiveness, that's what's finished.
1: It's a done deal. What is
0: sure and certain is my forgiveness. Please, God, help me never forget that. Yeah. And then the final words: "Into your hands I commit my spirit." And again, he calls him Father. You know, yep. after that separation, now uh, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He bows his head, and the Son of God, who created the world, dies.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, so, my question: When was there? So, the darkness was between twelve and three. Yep, noon and three. So, what? At what point? Like, at what point do you? Like, do we know where? he said these things like at what point of time i guess like
0: i don't know when that did the it's darkness all, start? the darkness starts at noon i don't know exactly Ooh. that the the timeline here when all that that happens but okay. just that the last three hours it's it's dark yeah so uh just that that trust that jesus shows at the end of his earthly life we we show that same trust because of jesus we commit our lives our spirits into our father's hands
1: and we know when when people believers who die, we can commit them to the Lord. Like we know that they're that's where they are,
0: mm-hmm. and we can do that transition because we know Jesus didn't stay dead. So our Easter gospel is from Matthew twenty eight. Um, so it begins this way: Matthew says, "After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb." So why are these women on their way to the tomb?
1: Well, it ha- it was the Sabbath, um, so when they took jesus's body down and buried it it was friday night friday night and then you can't work during the sabbath mm-hmm. so like they wouldn't have been able to, to tend to his body like yeah. um prepare his body or you know anoint his body for i don't know what i'm trying Just to say per-
0: entomb his body and prepare yeah. his body for burial they don't have uh embalming at this Mm. point so yeah they would wrap his body in spices and things like that to sort of preserve it Um, and so
1: they wouldn't have been able to do that because they wanted to follow the law
0: and we know from other gospel writers that they were talking about who how are we going to get the tomb open Uh Uh, but verse 2 tells us what happened they didn't need to worry about that stone there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it, which is amazing in and of <laughs> itself. I've, I've heard estimates that that stone may have weighed like 2000 pounds um like the size of like a four-door sedan that's
1: so crazy
0: um that just reminds me i had a classmate in school who was sure that he could flip a car if he needed to uh and then somebody called him out on it and they actually went out to the parking lot no he did not Uh, he was not able to flip it but the angel could the angel flipped the stone very casually sits down on it. angels are powerful says the angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So, I mean, these are hardcore so soldiers.
1: out. Yep. And just
0: the sight of an angel causes them to, to pass right. out. Yeah. And yeah, so they're not they're not in play here. So, they certainly, you know, were there. That's part of, you know, the Jewish leaders had gone to Pilate and said, hey, we're pretty sure that his disciples are going to steal his body and act like he rose from the right. dead. And inadvertently, they actually made the case for the resurrection stronger. Yep, because, because there, there are witnesses. There are soldiers yeah. there who, if the disciples had actually gone to go steal Jesus' body, how are, how are these 11 scared, mostly fishermen, going right. to overpower these Roman soldiers without it being obvious what happened? Right. But yeah, they see an angel, they pass out. Uh, the angel said to the woman women do not be afraid i know that you're looking for jesus who was crucified he's not here he has risen just as he said so there's a little bit of uh like know, you should know (laughs) like you disciples all you people jesus said it many times (laughs) just like he said come and see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into galilee there you will see him now i have told you so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. I always like that uh, complicated emotion yeah. there, afraid yet filled with joy. Like, so this cool. is crazy. There's life after death, yeah. but Jesus is back. You know, we just saw a man who was very publicly executed three days ago. Now, we just we just saw him alive, which is scary, but also amazing. Um, and just the fact, too, it's, it's been pointed out well in the Gospels that Jesus often... Um, Appears to, speaks to women in a way that is very, uh, in a society where women were not valued the way that they should be. Jesus actively chooses to appear to them first as witnesses. He chooses to speak to them, um, and, and, you know, have these wonderful, intimate conversations with them. So it's, it's good to point that out. And they get to
1: be the ones to go tell the disciples. Yeah. They go
0: tell the disciples and they react well. The (laughs) disciples don't react well. It's just, there's, there's some wonderful... Very faithful, um, women of strong faith in these sections, which is a huge blessing for us to see. Uh, Verse 9, But before they could get to the disciples, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So the Easter gospel for this Sunday ends again. They get get to see Jesus. They're worshipping him. He's back from the dead, just like he said. And Jesus says, Don't be afraid. And whenever we face our death or the death of someone we love, Jesus mm-hmm. says the same thing: Do not be afraid. You'll see me, and you will see that person. That's awesome. All right, we are twenty-seven fifty-two. Oh man! There's uh, one verse of "See What a Morning." Can you read that?
1: Yep. One with the Father, ancient of days, through the Spirit who clothes faith with certainty, honor and blessing, glory and praise to the King crowned with power and authority. And we are raised with him. Death is dead. Love has won. Christ has conquered, and we shall reign with him, for he lives. Christ is risen from the dead.
0: It's great thinking about what that's going to sound like on Easter Sunday. Uh, the kids like this one. You know I think the the sanctuary will be. I don't know. Maybe it's weird to say this, but the sanctuary will be rocking. Yeah. <laughs> I just like well, when, when you sing I get, that. Yeah. like.
1: I I have like a burning in my chest when i sing this because it's so good mm. like i don't know why it's... i
0: the I, I looked at all the i think there's three verses to this i chose this one uh for that series of phrases death is dead love is one yep. christ is conquered and that's where i that's get so yeah beautiful and succinct yeah it's hard to beat that yeah all right we'll finish with this favorite holy week memory do you want me to go first or i'll second? go first okay it's
1: kind of a silly one so <laughs> sorry mom first of all um, okay, so when we, you and I, Pastor Growth, when we were dating, I think the first time you you came to meet my parents.
0: Yep, it was Easter.
1: was Easter, so it was Easter break, so you came to meet them, and I warned you. I said, and my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm allowed to talk about it. That's so. <laughs> that's true. That is a rule. If somebody,
0: if nobody ever finds out that you're talking about it, you can you can talk about the person.
1: So she, I told Alex, I'm like, okay, just so you know, my mom gets pretty pumped up. You did at Easter, and when the pastor says he's risen at the end of the service, or is it before at the beginning? No, I don't know. At the end,
0: it's both usually. Yeah,
1: she gets very excited and mm-hmm. she shouts, "He's risen indeed!" And you were like, "Okay, cool, yeah, okay," and then you actually like saw Mm -hmm. you experienced what i have always experienced every easter of my life (laughs) which was
0: uh, a woman screaming (laughs) "He's risen indeed
1: standing up fist pumping like mm-hmm. in the air like,
0: like Rocky. <laughs> he's Rocky at the so end of a Rocky movie show Adrian. Yeah. For me
1: is a great I mean it, you know, shows you my mom's personality and the strong faith in her and, and the right. joy for the how much Christ. Easter means to yeah. her and, and why and um very just very powerful. And mm-hmm. so and it's just kinda of funny funny, because you, you did not expect no, to see this woman uh, do this.
0: Rock my boat. <laughs>
1: I, I saw your face. You were like, what is going mm-hmm. Yeah. A
0: little afraid. But, yeah, it's good. Um, my favorite, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to, every Good Friday, Good Friday, I think I mentioned last week, is my absolute favorite church mm-hmm. holiday. Um, leaving in the dark is always so powerful. I always struggle to keep my emotions in check whether I'm worshiping on Good Friday or leading the service on, on Good Friday, it's always my prayer is God just help me get through and then I can collapse after it's over. But uh, the emotion is gratitude yeah. and love and just shock that God would do this for me. And I think maybe just the first first Good Friday that I was here, we were here and I got to preach and walking out in silence and we had the Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. Yeah. And just I think you and I went out by the cross area and just kind of watched people leave and it was just such a somber a joyful thing. so mm-hmm. I, good friday it's, it's hard to top that for me it is, yeah all right uh depending on when you're listening to this you you either have good friday and easter worship coming up or you already got to enjoy it so either way i pray that your worship for holy week is a blessing to you and most of all reminds you that yes death is dead love has won and christ has conquered amen okay see you later
1: bye bye